The first Sunday of each month is Communion Sunday. And the consistory decided back in November that we were going to designate the first Sunday communion service as a special Sunday for benevolent offering. And so in your pew this morning, you will find an envelope marked benevolent offering, and that benevolent offering goes strictly for missions uh, that are geared both within and without our community. Okay, they are strictly mission funds, they are not used for anything else. Okay, so the benevolent offering envelope is strictly for a benevolent offering, and we will be doing that every communion service from now on. Okay? To emphasize, on the 22nd is Ash Wednesday. Depending on your schedule, at noon on the 22nd, we will have an Ash Wednesday imposition of Ash service here in the sanctuary that will be done by Rutgers Protestant Campus Ministry. I will be participating in that service as well. Then in the evening at 7 p.m. in the sanctuary, the collegiate churches will have our annual joint service in our sanctuary. And it is going to be a rather uh, creative and different service. So I want to suggest that if you have an evening free and are interested in being here, that you, find it, you will find it uh, fun. Okay? You know how much I like Lent, right? So I decided to make Ash Wednesday something that we actually enjoy. All right, we're going to try anyway. Those of, you, those of you who are members of the congregation, I want to encourage to stay seated after the benediction this morning because we are going to move. No, I don't want to do that because of the service. I want everyone to move with me into the coffee um, hour in the parlor, and in the parlor we will have our annual congregational meeting. There are basically three things on the agenda. One is the election of new officers. Two is the report on the, the food pantry. And three uh, is a report from me on the, on the health of the church. Okay? So those three things we will do in the parlor, and then we will dismiss and be gone in plenty of time to start preparations for your Super Bowl party. Okay? By the way, because of modern technology... We're going to be actually streaming the Super Bowl game today for, the, for our shelter guests up in the gym. Uh, from my computer, laptop, computer, onto a screen, it'll be the first time in the history of the rotating shelter that they will actually have to be able to sit down and watch the Super Bowl game uh, in their own space. Okay? So they're very excited. You, you're welcome to come join us, by the way. Uh, if you'd like. There's plenty of popcorn. So, a few people have come in since we began. Welcome everyone to the worship service on this beautiful, sunny, warm, winter, February day. Uh, we are grateful for everyone being here and hope that, that together we can worship God in spirit and in truth. hearts, to which indeed you were called in the one body. The peace of Christ be with you. Let's stand and share a sign of peace with each other. We're called to worship by words of Isaiah chapter 40. Our help is in the name of the Lord, creator of heaven and earth. Grace to you and peace from God, our creator and the Lord Jesus Christ. Come, all who are weary and are carrying heavy burdens, for the Lord will give you rest. 
The Lord is our refuge and strength, a very present help in times of trouble. Those who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength, they shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not be faint. God consoles us in all our affliction so that we may be able to console those who are in any affliction. For the sufferings of Christ are abundant for us, so also our healing is abundant through Christ. Come, let us worship the Lord. may be seated. <clears throat> Beloved in the Lord Jesus Christ, we propose to celebrate together with the help of God the sacrament of the Lord's Supper this Lord's Day. We come to the table to commune with our Lord, and we come in awe and reverence, for the place where we stand is holy ground. Here the Lord offers us the manna of life. If we are to experience this celebration with our Lord and be nourished by the Spirit, let us examine ourselves first, then eat the bread and drink from the cup. The benefit is great if with penitent hearts and living faith we receive the Lord's Supper. Let us acknowledge our sin before our merciful God with full intention of amending our lives. Let us make restitution for all injuries and wrongs done to others. Let us forgive those who have offended us, as we ourselves have been forgiven. All children of the covenant be reconciled with one another and then come joyfully to the banquet so that you may experience assurance of God's pardon and strengthening of your faith. Let us pray. Merciful God, we confess that we have sinned against you in thought, word, and deed by what we have done and by what we have left undone. We have not loved you with our whole heart and mind and strength. We have not loved our neighbors as ourselves. In your mercy, forgive what we have been, 
Help us amend what we are and direct what we shall be so that we may delight in your will and walk in your ways to the glory of your holy name. Through Christ our Lord. Amen. Hear the good news. Who is in a position to condemn? Only Christ. And Christ died for us. Christ rose for us. Christ reigns in power for us. Christ prays for us. Anyone who is in Christ is a new creation. The old life has gone. A new life has begun. Know that you are forgiven and be at peace. Thanks be to God. may be seated. Please join me in your bulletin for the call to faithful living. Then God spoke all these words. I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself an idol. You shall not bow down to them or worship them. You shall not make wrongful use of the name of the Lord your God. Remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy. Honor your father and your mother. You shall not. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not testify falsely against your neighbor. The word of the Lord. As we come to the reading of God's word, let us pray. Lift up your hearts. Let us lift them to the Lord our God. Set us free, O God, from the bondage of our sins and give us the liberty of that abundant life which you have made known to us in your Son, our Savior, Jesus Christ, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Amen. 
The first lesson comes from Isaiah chapter 40, verses 21 through 31. The wonder of God's power. Have you not known? Have you not heard? Has it not been told you from the beginning? Have you not understood from the foundations of the earth? It is he who sits above the circle of the earth, and its inhabitants are like grasshoppers, who stretches out the heavens like a curtain and spreads them like a tent to live in, who brings princes to naught and makes the rulers of the earth as nothing. Scarcely as they planted, scarcely sown, scarcely has their stem taken root in the earth, when he blows upon them, and they wither, and the tempest carries them off like stubble. To whom then will you compare me, or who is my equal, says the Holy One? Lift up your eyes on high and see. Who created these? He who brings out their host and numbers them, calling them all by name, because he is great in strength, mighty in power, not one is missing. Why do you say, O Jacob, and speak, O Israel? My way is hidden from the Lord, and my right is disregarded by God. Have you not known? Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He does not faint or grow weary. His understanding is unsearchable. He gives power to the faint and strengthens the powerless. Even youths will faint and be weary, and the young will fall exhausted. But those who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. This is the word of the Lord. Our second lesson comes to us from the Gospel according to St. Mark, chapter 1, beginning at verse 29. You will find this passage on page 911 of your pew Bible. As soon as they left the synagogue, they entered the house of Simon and Andrew with James and John. Now Simon's mother-in-law was in bed with a fever, and they told him about her at once. He came and took her by the hand and lifted her up. Then the fever left her, and she began to serve them. That evening at sundown, they brought to him all who were sick or possessed with demons, and the whole city was gathered around the door. And he cured many who were sick with various diseases and cast out many demons. And he would not permit the demons to speak because they knew him. In the morning, while it was still very dark, he got up and went out to a deserted place, and there he prayed. And Simon and his companions hunted for him. When they found him, they said to him, Everyone is searching for you. He answered, Let us go on to the neighboring towns so that I may proclaim the message there also, for that is what I came out to do. And he went throughout Galilee, proclaiming the message in their synagogues and casting out demons. 
This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. As Calvinists, we would summarize our beliefs in one very succinct statement taken from the Isaiah passage that was read to you this morning. Four words summarizes the theological system and principles and foundation of all Reformed theology. And they are these. God's understanding is unsearchable. In the old King James, it said, God's understanding is inscrutable. What does that phrase mean when you hear it? How do you hear that? What does it say? Hmm? What's that? Half Chinese, difficult to understand, right? Anything else? Very good. Very good. Yes. It is important for us to remember that what is established in the Old Testament is fulfilled in the New. Jesus is coming into the world to establish this truth in a very tangible, formidable way. He is now doing miracles and spiritually supernatural things while ministering to the people around the Sea of Galilee. He's healing people. He's casting out demons, if you will. He's making significant supernatural impact on the populace. And the word is getting out. When in our text in Mark this morning, he gets to Simon's house, one of my favorite lines in that text is, he took her by the hand and lifted her up. Oh, how I would, many, in many moments in my life, have liked for him to do that to me, physically. Here is a sick woman, and he takes her by the hand and lifts her up, and she is whole. And then what does she do? Does she go to the synagogue to pray or to worship? Does she feel guilty because somehow or other she didn't deserve that? What does the text say she does? Yeah. Every woman in this sanctuary understands that phrase really well. She's healed, and the minute she's healed, she turns around and serves them.
Then Jesus, after doing all of the ministry he does in her home, goes out to pray in the dark, and they go looking for him. I wonder how many times people hunted for Jesus. His own parents did it once, remember, when they lost him and had to go back to the temple. They hunted for Jesus, and when they found him, his concern was that he needed to get moving. He had stayed too long. But there were still people to heal. There were still things to do. But Jesus' concern is that he had come to make sure the message got out. A while back, in a few sermons, I have been focusing on the faces of Jesus, taken from the theme of Rembrandt's collection of the faces of Jesus. And I have asked you on several occasions over the past weeks, what is that message? If you will turn in your Bible, if you have it open, to verse 14 and 15, Mark is very clear what this message is. John was arrested. Jesus came to Galilee proclaiming the good news of God and saying this, The time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe in the good news. And what does that mean? It means that we, like most human beings, have spent a great deal of our energy seeking after God. Lots of people go hunting for Jesus. Lots of people spend their lives trying to figure out where to find God, how to experience God, how to begin to understand the inscrutable God. The message that Jesus proclaims is this, stop hunting. Stop looking. Stop seeking. The kingdom of God, God, has come to you. You don't need to look for God. You don't need to search for God. You don't have to wonder where to encounter God. God is here, wherever you are. The kingdom of God is near. All we need to do are two things. To repent, which is simply meant to change our minds and our way of seeing. This past year, my wife went to the... What's the name of a doctor that works on the eyes? Ophthalmologist. Not the optometrist, but the ophthalmologist. He told her she had cataracts could be fixed by putting lenses in her eyes. She does that. Then he says she has astigmatism and she needs the LASIK treatments. She does that. And for the first time in her memory, my wife is seeing 2020 without any lenses, any glasses. It's amazing. I was terrified she'd figure out how bad looking I was and divorce me, but I survived. What can I say? There you go. She saw right through me. 
Some of us need our eyes changed, our way of seeing changed. Repentance is all about getting that done, about changing the way we see ourselves and our relationship to God and God, God's self. If you believe or conceive of God as something out there, someone out there, you have completely missed the boat when it comes to the gospel of Jesus Christ. The message of the gospel of Jesus Christ is this. God has come to you. The Spirit of God dwells in you. And all that is needed is for you to believe that, for it to be so. The power of the gospel is not only in the presence of the person of Jesus Christ and the Spirit of God living in you, but your ability to believe that fact and to live your lives as if it were true. When Mother Teresa was alive, there were a lot of people that criticized her. Many of them were very earnest Christians. They said that she was not politically active enough in trying to confront the caste system in India. Recently, a writer exposed what I believe to be the power of what Mother Teresa did. No matter whether you were of the lower class or of the middle class or an aristocrat, it mattered not what caste you came from. If you showed up at Mother Teresa's clinic with leprosy, you were treated. You were cared for. And the power of what she did lay not in confronting the political system, but completely ignoring it. You see, she would not look through the same glasses that everyone else was. She looked at everyone who walked through the door as if it were the Christ. What if Jesus came through the door and had leprosy because of the people he had touched? What would we do? That was the question she motivated her sisters with. You see, the gospel of Jesus Christ is the fact that God lives in us. We are born in the image of God. And when we accept the fact that God lives in us, something happens that we call historically and theologically conversion. And what that simply means is the spiritual lenses in your eyes get changed. The blurriness of the astigmatism disappears. And all of a sudden you're able to understand, perhaps for the first time, that you are the Christ to the world. That you are the Christ that anyone will see. That when you reach out and touch, when you hug or companion someone in grief, when you greet each other in the peace, when you pack the bag with food, when you bring 
the clothing for the pantry or for the thrift shop, when you provide meals for the sheltered, it is Christ doing that in and through you. That is the power of this thing we call the good news. And it is the message that Jesus brings to all of God's people. It is no longer a matter of trying to find God. The sacrificial system of the temple is about to end. It will be destroyed 70 years after his birth. There will not be ashes left of the temple that he worships in because there will be no more sacrifice except the blood of Jesus Christ. And it will be sufficient. Have you ever eaten a meal and after it was over felt really full? Such that if someone said, would you like dessert? You could honestly say, really, I, I, I can't. Do you know what that feels like? That's how God feels when it comes to you and me. God is sufficient, sufficiently satisfied. There's nothing you can do to change God's mind. There's absolutely nothing you can do to convince God to love you any more or any less. The work of Jesus Christ is sufficient. And that is why his grace is enough. The good news that Jesus brings to these neighborhoods, these towns, is a message of power, of change of ways of seeing that they have never experienced before. And that message is as needed today as it was 2,000 years ago. Let us listen. Let us hear. And let us respond. So that when we eat at this table, the bread and drink of this cup, we will for sure for real, experience the presence of the Christ who lives in us and through us and among us. Let's pray. Spirit of the living God, you work through Jesus, you work through us today, and you have given to us these words and these symbols under bread and cup to sustain us, to challenge us, to impel us forward, nurturing, nourishing, and renewing us. Give us willing hearts and willing lives. For we ask it in his name. Amen. See how creatures of habit we are. I'm impressed. Let us confess our faith using the words of the Apostles' Creed. Together saying, I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord. 
He was conceived by the power of the Holy Spirit and born of the Virgin Mary. He suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to the dead. On the third day, he rose again. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Ghost, as it was in the beginning, is now and ever shall be. Christ has given us all good things, and we give out of the goodness and the abundance that he has provided uh, for the work of his kingdom. We ask the blessing upon the gifts and the givers for his sake. Remembrance of communion and of hope. We come in remembrance that our Lord Jesus Christ was sent of the Father into the world to assume our flesh and blood and to fulfill for us all obedience to the divine law, even to the bitter and shameful death of the cross. By his death, resurrection, and ascension, he established a new and eternal covenant of grace and reconciliation that we might be accepted of God and never be forsaken by God. Come to have communion with this same Christ, who has promised to be with us always, even to the end of the world. In the breaking of the bread, he makes himself known to us as the true heavenly bread that strengthens us unto life eternal. And in the cup of blessing, he comes to us as the vine in whom we must abide if we are to bear fruit. We come in hope, believing that this bread and this cup are a pledge and foretaste of the feast of love of which we shall partake when his kingdom has fully come, when with unveiled face we shall behold him made like unto him in his glory. Since by his death and resurrection and ascension, Christ has obtained for us the life-giving spirit who unites us all in one body, so are we to receive this supper in true love, mindful of the communion of saints. Please stay seated. who are baptized into Christ and who confess Jesus Christ as Lord are welcome at this table. These are the gifts of God for the people of God. Come, for now all is ready. Let us pray. The Lord be with you. Lift up your hearts. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. 
Holy and right it is in our joyful duty to give thanks to you at all times and in all places, O Lord, our Creator, almighty and everlasting God. You created heaven with all its hosts and the earth with all its plenty. You have given us life and being and preserve us by your providence. But you have shown us the fullness of your love in sending into the world your Son, Jesus Christ, the eternal word, made flesh for us and for our salvation. We give you thanks for Jesus Christ, our Lord, who came as the light of the world to show us your way of truth in parables and miracles. With your whole church on earth and with all the company of heaven, we worship and adore your glorious name. Most righteous God, we remember in this supper the perfect sacrifice offered once on the cross by our Lord Jesus Christ for the sin of the whole world. In the joy of his resurrection and in expectation of his coming again, we offer ourselves to you as holy and living sacrifices. Together we proclaim the mystery of the faith. Send your Holy Spirit upon us, we pray, that the bread which we break and the cup which we bless may be to us the communion of the body and blood of Christ. Grant that being joined together in him we may attain to the unity of the faith and grow up in all things into Christ our Lord. And as this grain has been gathered from many fields into one loaf and these grapes from many hills into one cup, Grant, O Lord, that your whole church may soon be gathered from the ends of the earth into your kingdom. Even so, come, Lord Jesus. We remind you that as according to our tradition of respecting individual conscience, in the trays of cups, the exterior ring of communion cups is grape juice. The interior rings of cups are wine. Please drink according to your conscience. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to them, saying, This is my body given for you. Take and eat it in remembrance of me. In like manner, he took the cup. When they had supped, saying, This cup is the New Testament in my blood. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. The bread which we break is the communion of the body of Christ. Take and eat it unto the salvation of your soul. The cup of blessing which we bless is the communion of the blood of Christ. Take and drink it unto the salvation of your soul. Please join me in your bulletin for the thanksgiving after communion. Brothers and sisters, since the Lord has now fed us at his table... Let us praise God's holy name with heartfelt thanksgiving. Bless the Lord, O my soul. Bless the Lord, O my soul, who forgives all your iniquity, who redeems your life from the pit. The Lord is merciful and gracious. He does not deal with us according to our sins. For as the heavens are high above the earth, as far as the east is from the west, as a father has compassion for his children, who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, and will also give us all things with him. Therefore, in my mouth and heart, show forth praise of the Lord from this time forth, forevermore. Amen. Let us pray. We praise and thank you, O Lord, that we have fed, you have fed us at your table and grateful for your gifts and mindful of the communion of your saints. We offer to you our prayers for all people. We remember before you the poor 
the afflicted, the sick and the dying, prisoners and all who are lonely, the victims of war, injustice, and inhumanity, and all others who suffer from whatever their sufferings may be called. We pray for our country, inspire the hearts and minds of our leaders that they, together with all our nation, may first seek your kingdom and righteousness so that order, liberty, and peace shall dwell with your people. We pray for all nations and peoples to take away the mistrust and lack of understanding that divide your creatures and increase in us the recognition that we are all your children. 